0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Underground Mess Hall, Finn McHale here. We've got another episode to review for the Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 5, Return of the Mandalorian. So we see the return of Din Djarin in this chapter, but it's very centered on him in this chapter and nobody else really. We also get some more information on the Creed of Mandalorians as well. Before we go any further, we're going to jump into the review and spoiler warning as well. So we open up to a butcher shop being run by some aliens, and we see Din Jaren walk in. We see him go to a back room to collect a bounty. They put up a fight, and Din jaren fights back while using the Darksaber. He gets his bounty mark, but he injured himself in the scuffle with the Darksaber. He turns in the bounty and gets information on how to get to the lower strata of this Halo Ring space station that he's on. He gets down there and meets up with the armor and pass Visla, who helped tend his wound we find out that these are the last members of their sect of Mandalorians, the Children of the Watch, after what happened on Navarro. They ask about the wound, and when Din tells them it was from the Darksaber, to which Paz takes a very keen interest in, the armor explains the history of it to us. So, it was made by Tara Visla, the first Mandalorian Jedi, and it has to be one in combat by the Crete. We also find out that Bo-Katan Kree's wielded it illegitimately one time? This one artifact in Star Wars has more baggage and conflicting story than anything else, I swear. I'm going to talk more about this later. A quick cool little scene is that we find out that the Beskar spear Din has is actually dangerous as Beskar is the only thing that can pierce Beskar armor. So the armor offers to craft it into something else. Din asks for it to be an item for Grogu, his foundling. The armor says that Jedi's creed, prevents them from forming attachments to which Din says is contrasting to their creed, which abides towards loyalty and unity. In response to Din's statement, the Armorer crafts something for Grogu. After this, we see Din training with the Armorer using the Darksaber. He's having some trouble as he's biting the weapon itself while trying to wield it. Posh shows up after the training session is done and challenges Din for the Darksaber, claiming his familial lineage gives him the right. Din accepts, and after a hard fight in the lower strata, Din wins holding a vibroblade to Paz's neck. The armorer then asks them both if they have ever removed their helmets. Paz responds immediately saying that he has not. Din pauses though, and the armorer tells him that by creed he must respond. Din tells the truth and says that he has. The armor then strips him of his Mandalorian status, and he asks how he can atone, and the armor responds saying that, he needs to go to the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore. Din says that's impossible, as they would have been destroyed during the Purge of Mandalore. Mind you, the scene we get indicates this is a another Purge, so we'll talk about that as well. The armor simply says that this is the way. We see Din afterwards take a commercial flight to Tatooine. After having a comical encounter with a customs droid about his weapons, he gets on the flight and they land him most easily. He retrieves his weapons from baggage claims, and heads to Peli Moto's hangar. We find out that she's been working on a replacement for the razor, quest, ooh, excuse me, razor Crest, not Quest, but instead of another one, she's been rebuilding an N1 Naboo Royal Starfighter. At first, Din doesn't want it, but after finding out what Peli plans to do to upgrade it, and how the Jawas can help, Din changes his mind. Din even goes and helps to rebuild and refit the N1 himself as well. We get some funny info that Peli used to date a Jawa, and she can actually speak Jawaese. Din gives them a wish list to which the Jawas get some of the remaining parts. We also find out that the Jawas aren't above stealing, as one of the parts they give, they literally took off a Pike vehicle. Peli explains that ever since the Pikes came to Tatooine, the spice trade has caused all sorts of problems all over the planet. They finish the refitted N1, and Din takes it for a test drive. He really likes it and takes it into space, to which he circles around a starliner. He gets pulled over, though, by two New Republic officers who ask for his space license and registration. Din tells him that he just got the ship rebuilt and that he was just out for a test drive. The other officer decides to let him off with a warning, but not before asking if he knows anything about a Razor Crest. We see that the second officer is Carson Tava, the one who offered Kara Dune a job in the Outer Rim with the New Republic. Din speeds away using his new sublight thrusters, and Taven, the other officer, just let it go. Din lands back in Pelly's hangar where we see Fennett come to offer him a job. Din says that since it's for Boba Fett, he'll do it for free. However, he has to make a visit to a little friend. It's not bad of an episode, but it's a weird episode to me, and, and here's why. The episode feels more appropriate if this was Season 3 of The Mandalorian, and I understand if this is set up and a way to introduce us into what Season 3 might be about, but for all the buildup and the momentum that The Book of Boba Fett had going for it, just kind of, at least to me, seems like it was sucked away with this episode. Not bad, but still a weird choice. Also, since there's only two episodes left... I really want to know how they're going to get all that momentum they lost back. So, we also find out some more interesting stuff about the Creed, how there's some rules and laws about it. But, as we all know in The Mandalorian, at least Season 2, we find out that this sect is a more religious zealot kind, the Children of the Watch. So, I don't know if all Mandalorians follow this Creed, but it's interesting how somehow the Darksaber plays a role into it. And so, I want to know more about this creed and, like, what exactly does this mean for Mandalorians? Do all of them follow it, or only certain sects? When did this come up? Especially when you look at the timeline and whatnot. Uh, a couple quick notes before I go into this last major topic. So, the little friend is obviously Grogu. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays a role into anything. Um, also in this episode, uh, just timeline-wise and... Well, not necessarily timeline, but... Just, narrative-wise, Boba Fett didn't show up, which I wouldn't have had a problem, but none of the other primarily Book of Boba Fett characters showed up, like Black Kersantan, Garcef Whip, and Fennec Shan. but she only shows up at the end. So, yeah, it was kind of a weird momentum one for me. Now, the biggest thing is the Darksaber's history and Mandalore. So, apparently, there's now been another Siege of Mandalore, and... Depending on how you take certain statements, there's three separate ones. So there's the one that happens at the end of the Clone Wars, which is the one I always remember happening. Then there's the one that is hinted at in Rebels, but they kind of describe it differently than the one that happened in the Clone Wars, if my memory serves me right. And now, with this scene, they have the uh, K2SO droids that show up, and it's like, okay, so this obviously is later in the Empire's life. This isn't the original, or maybe the second Siege of Mandalore. So, how many have there been? And then, as well, when did the Darksaber get all these rules? So, a quick, brief little history lesson. So, when the Darksaber was first introduced, Pre-Vizsla has it the leader of the Death Watch. Then, he leads a successful coup alongside Darth Maul in order to take over Mandalore. However, Darth Maul, wants full control, fights Pre-Vizsla to the death, and kills him by decapitating him with his lightsaber and the dark saber. This is done as an homage and reference to what's about to happen in Episode Three with Count Dooku. There was no, oh, you know, the dark saber means power or being able to leave Mandalore. No, no, no. They were fighting over the position because they had already taken over the planet. The dark saber had nothing to do with it. Then in Rebels, Sabine Wren had it, and there were like I think like five or six major clans left. Of Mandalorians. And Bo-Katan. Was the last major. I guess. Familial leader that would have been able to lead them. And so Sabine gives her the dark saber. And thus she's able to lead the Mandalorians. There wasn't any rules then. But yet in the Mandalorian. We find out all these rules. And Bo-Katan is abiding by them. So I really hope this gets fleshed out. I just want a good explanation for. Why this is how it is. But. Hopefully we'll get that answer soon. This has been a BandolierCore production. Finn McHale, signing out.